So I had the microphone and, and uh, I called out his name and it just came. I go, recalling our conversation, he's an Iron Man. You are an Iron Man. Just me to him. And he looks up and he, you know, gives me two thumbs up and the crowd, this roar came out. And I go, whoa, what was that for? Oh my God, I think they like that. So I kept the mic. The next one that came in, I, which was a woman, I, I said, well, it's an Iron Man. You are an Iron Man. And she went, and the crowd looked. I, I got something here. So the other guy took the microphone, and he didn't do it. And I go, why don't you call him an Iron Man? Because they are. He goes, no, no, I don't want to do that. I was like, okay, well, I know one thing. I'm going to do it. So, <laughs> so it was, Give me the microphone back. So then when I got the microphone, the crowd just kept erupting. He got, it just didn't happen. And I'm going, well, you got to, they, they are an Iron Man. And this, this summer, I found that guy. That was Mike Riley, and this is the 100th episode of the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. Welcome back to the pod, you guys. 100 episodes down. Honestly, it's so incredible to say that. I mean, in 2016, when we started this adventure, I remember sitting at the kitchen table and saying to myself, okay, first step plug the microphone in. And now here we are, a month shy of two years, an international audience and many hours of sharing the mic with people looking, finding, and living their purposes with the intention to remind us all that we're never alone, that we are capable of anything we put our minds to, and that every venture always, and never is there a time that it does not, starts with one single step forward. Much like this podcast, my first triathlon, becoming a massage therapist, following my heart to becoming a yoga teacher, and then a teacher of meditation, and then a teacher of meditation and mindfulness to amazing athletes. All of it started with the willingness to pick up the breadcrumbs and continually take action. Mike Riley has been at the finish line of hundreds of thousands of journeys that all started with one step, but none more famous than the ones that end with four simple words that have become a universal language. You are an Iron Man is a phrase that serves as a foundational piece of accountability for tens of thousands of athletes every year as they endure month after month of pre-dawn wake-up and workouts, race day visualizations, and for sure, the final miles of their Ironman experience. I can attest to the industrial strength of Mike Riley's powerful intonation as a motivator to keep me moving as fast as I possibly can to get to the finish line. And what Mike will tell you himself is that when you cross the Ironman finish line, you become a part of a family. You become a part of an elite group of individuals who forever share a deep bond of pushing limits and realizing that anything is possible. It's incredible to have Mike on the show today, and for BJ and I, there was no question as to who we wanted to invite to be our 100th guest. We couldn't imagine a more suiting guest for this podcast, and we are super grateful for his willingness to stop by the studio for a chat. We dive into his origin story of announcing and his path to Iron Man, the birth of the famous phrase, and also his insight into the human spirit, the healing power of taking action in life, and what he's seen shift in the sport over the years. It won't take long into this conversation to feel the weight of Mike's reverence for the role that he plays on race day. But what may surprise people is all of the amazing connections he makes outside of the finish line when someone in our community gets knocked down or misses him calling their name at the finish. Ironman Triathlon has a knack for taking you to your knees, whether that be in training or on race day. But with that, our strength within is revealed and dreams are made reality. Mike has seen the other side of despair and rock bottom. He knows through and through that we are limitless beings. So don't expect an ego rub if you go to him complaining about things. And this is something I love most about him because he's seen way too many times that truly, without a doubt, anything is possible. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. We are so grateful to each and every one of you for supporting the show. Before diving in, I want to give a big welcome to Erin, our newest member of Team Yogi Triathlete. Erin will be the anchor leg of her I Am 70.3 Santa Rosa Relay Team, and she is looking to kick butt. That, my friend, we can do. We are Yogi Triathlete Holistic Performance, Triathlon and Run Training, Mindfulness Meditation, Yoga and Plant-Based Nutrition, we are on a mission to create a better world by assisting our athletes and clients with tapping into their inner badass, fueling their bodies with high-vibe nutrition, and coaching them to live bravely into the world of the unknown. You know, the land of possibility where limits cannot survive. And now, without another moment of living this life out, I hand you over to the man, the legend, the voice of Iron Man, Mike Riley. 
Now, do I have this right that you've never done an Ironman? Nope. You were going to? Yeah. And then they asked you to They'd announce. come to do Hawaii. The decision, <laughs> actually it was a tougher decision because I, I really wanted to do it and I had said no a couple times, I, I'd rather do the race. And then they threw a dollar amount at me and my wife said, you can always do that damn thing. Yeah. So next thing you know, 30 years later, I'm still, so, you know what, it's, it's, it's almost, now it's almost by design. Yeah, will I do an Ironman one day? I'm, I'm sure I probably will. Uh, if, if the body holds together when I get off the microphone, but I'm still in such awe at what I'm seeing and what people are doing. And it's an awe coming from, I haven't done that, but how can they do that? Sure, if I did it, would I be a little more jaded and said, well, what's the big deal? I did that. You know, so, so maybe it's, it's for the better that, that I am in awe because I, I want to portray that, that I bring that person in with everything they, they deserve because everybody's got a backstory and I know a lot of them, but some we don't know. And them finishing and even being called an Iron Man and raising their arms and hearing their name, uh, it, it changes lives. People have come up to me and, you know, this day changed my life. Uh, I'm, I'm a new person or call me a month later and go, you can't believe it. I can do anything now. And, and, you know, nine months ago, I wanted to commit suicide. I mean, it's that degree of separation that is just amazing from that to the, the great thing of finishing an Ironman. And I hear it all. I see it all. I'm laughing because it would be kind of funny if you were up there. <laughs> so what? Big deal. You finished an Ironman. So did I. Hey, <laughs> you didn't beat my time. <laughs> What's a big deal? <laughs> <You know? laughs> that would definitely change. You might lose your job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, I don't call it a job. And if I lost it, I would deserve to lose it if I said something like that. You know, friends tell, kid around with me. Mike, I, I want to be there for your last Ironman. You can... What are they going to do? You, you could just say whatever you want. And I, I go, yeah, somebody finishes. And hey, next time train, for goodness sakes. Look at you. you know? <laughs> or, I mean, I could say anything. And, what were you thinking? You could have well, cut four hours yeah, off that time. First of all, why did you do this? <laughs> but so you touched so many lives. And when I did my first Ironman in 2008 in Coeur d'Alene. That was the was, heat. No, it was the cold. That was the cold. Really cold. cold. That's where we... So Hot people, you don't have to water. swim if you don't want to. You could use booties. Oh, you can yeah. use booties. Yeah. And, and yeah, right. That was, it was cold. It was cold. It was, it was in the 50s, from what I remember, it, like 57. And the wind was blowing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there was a lot of drama leading up to yeah. it. Like people, it's people the water. People were freaking out. People were freaking yeah. out. Yeah, the water temperature was, it was like in the 40s. It was cold. And I remember that first day getting there and putting my face in the water. It was one of those. <gasps> uh, I know. Okay, it's I got fine. a wetsuit on, but it's still bad because my do face this. has to go. It's like your eyeballs <laughs> just like hurt. And leading up to that, I got um, two things that people would say to me. Number one, which was terrible advice. They said, eat as much as you possibly can on the bike. Just eat as much as you possibly can, which was ended up in my first and only projectile vomit, yeah. which is real stuff. I've never, like it does projectile. And then the other thing was, and I've heard this, I've heard other people say this, to other people and, and like getting them inspired for the race is like, you, you cannot believe how far out from the finish you can hear Mike Riley's voice. And I remember on that old, so this was the, this was the old, old course. that went up to Lake Hayden. Yeah, that went up yeah, to Lake Hayden. And, and, and uh, I don't know how much the run course has changed, but coming through those big hills before you hit the neighborhood. And I remember coming up onto a big hill, like, and you could, I could barely see a little bit of light in the, in the sky. In the oh. But then I could hear, like, it, it was, you were almost like Charlie Brown's teacher on steroids. Because I could <laughs> hear the tone and I could, I could make out what you were saying. And I think that just got me through those last miles. It was like the last five miles. And I couldn't, I was like, whoa, they're right. Like, I can't believe how far out you can hear that. And so you touched so many people. Like, you pulled me in. And so how have people touched you? Like, you're on the receiving end of, of all of these people coming in. And it's so obvious that, that you're touching people. And I've experienced it. BJ's experienced it. What is it like on, on your end, them coming through? Gosh, I could, I could write a book. I am writing a book about that. You know, it's interesting because uh, you have to create your own energy in life. You have to create your own energy in a race. You have to create your own energy when you go to work. You, you can't really depend on other people all the time. You're the cause of your own experience. And I truly believe that. So when someone goes 140.6 miles 
and they've accomplished something great like an Ironman, uh, it affects me, each and every finisher. What it does on race day, it gives me energy. And people say, how, how could you do that for 17 hours or more than that? You were there at 4.30, you know, until midnight. And it's a longer day for other people to talk about it to me than it is for me. Because I, I can't wait for that next finisher. I can't wait for the next hour. I can't wait for that midnight. It's just like, and, and so when somebody finishes and I see them straighten up and, and the smile come on their face, and looking back and forth for mom and dad or husband and wife or whomever it may be because they and I know their family's there and sometimes they don't see them. But I want to let them know I'm there for them and I want to tell the world what they just did. And that that is it's, it's a privilege. I, I I'm, I'm humbled by it because so many people come up to me and say such grandioso things to me about what it did and how it affected them. So I, it, it gives me a, a pure energy on race day. It keeps my passion high. And I always say to myself, could you imagine if you did something that great, you made a huge commitment to, to do an Ironman. You made a huge commitment just to get off the couch and start walking around the block, whatever it may have been. And somebody doesn't acknowledge it. That's a travesty. That'll never happen on my watch. And, and I want to make sure that they are taken care of, acknowledge that the front door of the house is open, that they come into that front door of the house and they're welcomed and they feel like a million dollars. And, and it's, it's not my job. It's my, it's my right to do that. It's my honor to do that. I've mentored a lot of other people who are announced and, and I see people just throwing out words because they like to hear themselves talk and, and I don't use the words I and me on race. It's not about I. It's not about me. It's not about Mike Riley. It's about me being there for them and giving them everything I can throw their way and, and make sure the crowd's doing the very same thing. That's why I tell the Iron Spectators, you better go home with sore hands and sore voices. Because if you didn't, then you didn't give them everything they deserve when they finish. And all of a sudden, people, <laughs> you, see him, you know, it's like, it's like I'm controlling them, but I'm controlling them so that they give that next finisher even more than they gave to the one before. I like it. And, You're asking them to give of themselves, mm -hmm. which I think we could all do a little more of in this world. And you're asking, and I can speak for this, the athletes who finished that day, who came back for the oh, finisher. Yes. You're like, you guys, come on. Like, I love that. Give that more. And, and I can say from my perspective, I did three races last year and I did pretty much two by myself. I went and visited um, Arizona and... Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And I would just, I would make myself go back after the race, the last hour and a half and the energy. Um, I wouldn't miss it. I would never miss it. It's almost, it is better than the race, like racing. Like I just want to be in the stands there hearing all that energy, the music, your voice. And if that next person is coming down the I, I tell right people, I, I, you know, I, I tell the spectators, hey, take your loved one home, get them a shower, get them something to eat and get their butts back. And, and so many come back with their medals on. They're so proud to be back. And they're still bringing in finishers that are their fellow competitors uh, in the same race that they did in the last two hours, three hours, whatever it may be. Uh, the stands get filled with them. And I think it's an appreciation I've had athletes in stands, I'd be along the fence and it'd be like 11 o'clock and they go, dude, how can that person be out there for 16 hours? I, that's amazing. I mean, I was 10 and a half and I, 16 hours, they're in awe of those pounding the pavement for that long to get to the finish line. So the, no other sport, I mean, what other sport does that happen where the competitors... Competitors go home, they run a marathon, they go home, they don't come back and watch the final marathon finish. But in, our, in Ironman, they do that. They it's come the back. best party. It's the best party of the year. It's the it best is. party of the day. It's the best party of the race. And, you know, BJ finishes in the daylight and we'll go back and, you know, get him fed and, and uh, you know, take a nap. And when we <laughs> wake up and we're just like, we're so exhausted, we're like, okay, Mike's still out there. All those people are still out there and they all started with us in the morning. Like, let's get up and get down there and you know, put on the compression tights and maybe <laughs> grab a beer and go down there. And it's just like, oh, it doesn't matter if I'm exhausted. You get down there and that energy carries you. 
And one thing I love, love, love so much about those moments as somebody who really loves to just study, I love to study the way people move through the world. It's like in those moments where we're cheering those people on, everything about our separation falls away. It doesn't matter what your mm -hmm. political affiliation mm -hmm. is. It doesn't matter what you do for a job or who you work for, or what kind of car you drive or how much is on your credit card or if you're debt free. Like, none of that matters. It's just like, we got to get this person in. Let's get them to the finish line. And I love that because I think at the core of who we are, we are community, we are togetherness, we are love. And I see that love in those moments and it just lights me up. It, it, it becomes, you know, as, as sometimes people, that's kind of hokey when you talk about the family, the Iron Man family, and it's not, it's true, it's the truth. We have a heart, we have the brain, we have the muscles, we have the tissue, we have everything the same that, that we use to get to the finish line and so you're right uh, religions creeds colors sex I, it doesn't make any difference everybody's a human being coming in i don't care where they're from in the world and their emotions and their feelings and their passion it's all the same they they can talk you can have five different people from five different regions of the world who had never met each other and they had done an iron man you set them down on a couch the conversation starts instantly there's nothing about, so what do you do for a living? What do you, there's none of that, you know, mundane life stuff that we always talk about. And, you know, so when'd you move here? No, they start talking about the passion of Iron Man, no matter where they're from. It's amazing. That's why when I've uh, announced Germany or other countries and, and people, you know, say, are hey, you going to say you're an Iron Man in German or, you know, and nobody wants me to do it except for you are an Iron Man because it's a universal language, those four words, it doesn't need to be spoken in any tongue. It's what I started it in. I can't speak their languages. I mean, I can say it in other languages, but <laughs> I, it, they, nobody wants me to do that, no matter where I go, because they've heard it for so long in Hawaii, because they, so everybody thinks I live in Kona, for goodness sakes, because they associate <laughs> the Kona deal uh, with you are an Iron Man, and, and that's what they want to hear. I love that. Just keep it simple. Mm -hmm. Like we... I think we overcomplicate things, like just keep it simple. And one of the other things I want to point out to every single athlete who's listening to this is that nobody cares about your time either. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to say, oh, great job. Oh, God, you did it in 15 hours. Nobody cares. Nobody cares because what it takes, I know what it takes to get over that finish line, and it's a lot. And you'll have peaks and valleys all throughout the day. Really, you really get a good look at yourself, which is what I love so much about it. And this was, you know, why Yogi Triathlete was born. For me, it was like yoga and Ironman took me to the same place and from very, very different paths. But it, it allowed me to, to really see what I'm made of, um, how strong I am. I can do anything. I'll tell you right now, I can do anything because of the experiences that I've had out on the course. And I think BJ would agree with that. Yeah, I, I, I actually... I'm so immersed in the day. So the day for me is like, it's a meditation now. It's a 10 to 12 hour meditation. And I just, I absorb it. I soak it in in the morning. I, I still clearly remember Wisconsin and looking at uh, all the nervous faces and, and some chaotic stuff. And I was, it was just calm. Like I could just be calm. And a lot of that work is done because I've been doing it for so long. But I feel when you get to that point, Race day is a celebration. Mm -hmm. Race day is the celebration. There's, it's a fact. There's going to be highs and there's going to be lows. It's a fact. But it's how you navigate that entire day through your mind, through the people you interact with, through the smiles you give and the smiles you get back. And then when you cross that finish line, and it's not over yet. Like that's just the start because then you just, you come back for that midnight finish. So for me, the, the experience with Iron Man has just, it's it's changed my whole perspective because there were times where I would be concerned about the time, you know. It all it's all consuming. Like it's got to you got to go go go. You got to beat this time. What are they going to say on social media when they see this? Right? <laughs> I think a lot of Nothing. people are they in say, that way. Oh my god, amazing! <laughs> I can't believe you did an Ironman. Right. That's what they say. Yeah, the time it, it's it's irrelevant. You know, it's exactly it's interesting because I call anybody that 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 gets to the start line is a winner. Somebody that finishes is a champion. And both those things are great. They're positive. Not everybody's going to finish what they start. But the biggest lesson in life you can teach any child or any adult is start what you finish. Watch what happens to your life when you start finishing everything you start. 
watch what happens. We get to see that, you know, at an Ironman race or a triathlon or a swim bike run or a marathon. And it's, I, I now will start a race and go down right underneath the arch and high five everybody. And, and I'll see a nervous look and I go, and I'll look right in the eye and go, I'll be waiting for you at the finish. Oh, okay. And, and if there's anything I can do to help that person do away with the nerves or get to the finish line, I want to do that. And so many have written me afterwards, oh my God, you high-fived me at the start. I was freaking out and now I'm okay. It was okay. And Mike gave me, a, you know, so many hugs and, and I wish I could... I wish I could chronicle the looks of people's eyes and I know exactly how they're feeling when I see them. You know, even the confident six foot four guy that comes through with the testosterone already flowing and I'll high five him. I go, just get to the finish. I will. I will. You know, you can tell there's even nervous with that. I mean, because it's a it's a daunting day. And even though the training was put in, uh, so to be able to be at the start and be able to finish and be a part of their day. That's why people always, you know, when they come up and meet me, it's it's like we're old buddies and and we've met each other before, or they may be connected with me through show, social media, or, or we met at a race, and everybody can tell me exactly what I said to them the year I said it, how it made them feel. I go, Mike, you know, I did five Ironmans. You called me in four. And right away, I'll play around. I go, I must have been in the bathroom for the fifth, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, but, but my wife said it's on video, so I was just delirious, you know. <laughs> but they know, they know everyone. They'll count out the years. No, dear, I've done 12. You know, you missed me at two. Oh, I missed you, huh? Yeah, what happened? I don't know. You probably took a break. So. <laughs> Sometimes you need to do that. People actually think that athletes that come back that are rookies, first-timers, and they come back to the finish line, and, and I'll be down now there partying and they go, oh, dude, who are you? So you took a break with you. You went and had dinner and t- no, I'm, no, I'm here. Uh, this whole time? I took like two hours and three hours. You mean you've been here this whole time? Yes, this is what I do. I'm here the whole time. <laughs> Eating on the job. I mean, you know, I've, I've let it loose in a Gatorade bottle on the stage not to have to leave. So because I knew people were coming in and and. Uh, my only breaks, I don't even call them breaks. I just run to go to the bathroom. I'll run in the VIP tent, grab something to eat. A lot of races, they'll bring us stuff. So, uh, I mean, New Zealand, I was there almost, I think I, I think I wasn't on the microphone four minutes of the, from three o'clock to midnight. And because they bring us food and they bring us everything. And for some reason, I didn't have to go to the bathroom. It was, a, I, I thought about it about 10 at night. You know, the th- <laughs> physical things. Were, I go, I haven't taken a leak in like friggin' <laughs> seven hours. And I don't have to go. And I've been drinking, but I won't over drink because I'll stay on the edge of hi- uh, dehydration just because I don't want to. It's like a plane ride. If I, yeah, if I kept drinking, I know what would happen. So if I'm okay and I feel good which I do. Uh, you're like, you're practicing the opposite nutrition. I know. Everybody it's weird. I, I go, I go on the edge. I'm, I got a pretty down pat. Then I'll get to the hotel or my room or wherever I'm staying. And it's now like quarter of one. And I'll go, Oh my gosh, I'm dehydrated. You know, and I start drinking. Game on. Game on. <laughs> you do like the back load as opposed to the front load. Um, all right. So this, uh, this show was born from this, uh, this vision to share stories of people who are, you know, looking or finding or living their purpose. I, I, I honestly believe that we're all here to share our gifts and they come in so many different packages and, and some are more public than others, but we, we all have these like amazing gifts and we're all unique. And even though we are, I believe, connected so deeply, we've got our individuality. So growing up, I mean, you, you didn't aspire to, I mean, who would have thought, well, I'm going to have this whole career about bringing people into the finish line. So where did this, what's the origin story? Like you were, you said you were repping for Saucony. How does this all fall into place? Because you've been doing this since 1989? In Hawaii, but I've been on the microphone here in Southern California since 78. Oh my gosh. Long time. I was, uh, the, you I know, know, do the math. 40 years. I, I always wanted to, I, I loved speaking in front of people. I love giving speeches. I love acting in plays and school. You know, I just, I just love that. And uh, <clears throat> when I moved out here in 76, I started running with a group. You know, I thought I was this big jock as I wrestled in college and they taught me what pain was. 
So, but then I became faster and then jumped into mini triathlons on Fiesta Island with the Tinley brother. You know, we, we just just all kind of did it. And then uh, 110K down at Mission Bay, I had a bad hamstring. But I wanted to go, you know, we had, we had so many events in San Diego. It just was crazy. So I went down there uh, to watch Buddy's run. It was uh, 78 or 79. I'm still trying to figure out for, my, for the book which year it was. But Lynn Flanagan, whose daughters now own her company, put on the Carlsbad Marathon, La Jolla Half. They put on a lot of races. So mom, uh, the race took off and I'm standing there and, and uh, Lynn goes, what are you doing? I go, I got a bad hammy. I can't run. She goes, oh my God, I got this. I got this little this speaker and this microphone and I was just going to say the names of people come in. I go, that's cool. She goes, you do it. You know a lot of the people. And I go, all right. She gave me a dot matrix printout. If anybody <laughs> even talking, knows what that totally, is, yeah. <clears throat> you know, and they're all put together. So I got to, you know, scroll through it. And it was only like two, 300 people in the race. I go, yeah, I can. First thing I thought of, I can crank my buddies when they come in. This is good. <laughs> I can, they're going to go. So sure he's shooting. You know, I knew the winner come in. I called him in. He looks he's like, hey, Riley, what are you doing? So everybody had this look on their face, but I would say their name and a lot of people I didn't know, I'd look on the list and there they were. And I called them and, and it, was, it was just cool. Everybody, I go, God, this is cool. Everybody's loving. And people came up afterwards and go, God, Riley, that was cool. You called my name. You said where I was from. I go, yeah, I got it on the list here. I, I didn't know you were 28. Jeez, I thought you were older than that. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, and you're just totally in your element. Like, this oh, is how it, it happens. It happens so, so organically. All I did. And, I, you know, I was doing Toastmasters, so I was speaking. And it didn't bother me to grab the mic. And... Uh, so it was cool. I mean, I just knew. And, and I remember, I don't think Rose was at the race because she would go to, I go, Lynn, put me on the microphone. What? You, what'd you do? You probably messed, did you make fun of people? I go, no, I think it came out okay, you know. And uh, it was about a month later, Lynn called me. She says, I want you to announce the half Ironman. And I said, Lynn, I'm, I'm running it. I was running a lot then. So I said, I'm good. I, I want to run it. I've run that race every year. And, you know, she really? I go, yeah. So she called me back like a day later. She goes, hey, come on. I, this was 78, 70. I'll give you 150 bucks. I go, well, well really? You, you, you pay me to like BS on the microphone? I go, all right, I can run it later. So I did. And that's how it kind of grew. So I would pick where I wanted to go. There wasn't a lot of announcers back then. And, uh, you know, so I did, I started with the rock and roll races. I did all those for the first 15 years. And Carlsbad 5,000 for 20 years, and, and now Chicago Marathon, L.A. Marathon. I did the first L.A. Marathon. So, you know, it's just, and then triathlon was my love, and, and so I started doing a lot of, I, I did the first ever professional triathlon here, Solano Beach. I was a ra- okay. one of the race directors and, and announced it. Got to watch, you know, Molina and Tinley and, and Alan beat up on each other. I mean, you know, what more could you ask for? You so couldn't awesome. ask for more. And they were running. The thing was amazing to me. Uh, I I could get off the bike and run, but I couldn't believe how fast these guys were running. And I was a 34-minute 10Ker, and I ran 240 in the marathon. So I, I could go, but they were going 31. 30. I go, how do you, how'd you get off the bike and do that? I, I can't even comprehend that. But these guys, they were doing it. And so that's how I started in this game and, and just always wanted to do it. I mean, just always wanted to do it. And then what brought you to the Ironman level? Like, I, I think they just had heard what I was doing in Southern California, and they invited me over in 89. I was uh, the second uh, announcer behind Mike Plant, who lives here in San Diego. Mike did the race the early years, and he did it <clears throat> Excuse me, in 89 and 90, and I was his second. Uh, then he got out of it. And then in 91, I worked with a guy from Canada, Steve King. And then after that, they just gave me the whole thing. You know, after 91, it's yours. You be the lead and bring, bring over whoever you want. So. And wasn't it in 91 that the You Are an Iron Man Well, somebody did born? their homework. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit of homework. Yes, it was. It was. It was uh, and people just love that. Like he- it, 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 you know, I had a, the story is I had a friend there and I met him on a Lee Drive, ran into him, a San Diego guy. And uh, he was all nervous and freaking out because the year before he had a bad race. And he goes, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. And I, what do you mean? I, I've run with him before around Mission Bag. You'll be fine. You're a stud. I mean, you've been training. And, nah, I just, 
I don't know. I, and it wasn't like him. He was just really nervous. And, and as we were walking away, I looked at him. I said, don't worry, you'll be an Iron Man. And that's all I said to him. And he goes, yeah, all right. And I forgot about it. And then uh, race day comes. I didn't see him out of the water. I don't, I don't remember seeing him on the bike. You know, it's just one of those things. Some people I see like five times during the day. I just, I'm at right spot. But I didn't see him. All of a sudden, here he's coming down Elite Drive. And uh, I had the microphone then, not the other guy. And I think even maybe he had it, and I go, can I call this guy in? Because uh, I remember I had to do that a lot because he had the microphone a lot. So I had the microphone, and, and uh, I called out his name, and it just came. I go, recalling our conversation, he's an Iron Man. You are an Iron Man. Just me to him. And he looks up, and he you know gives me two thumbs up, and the crowd, this roar came out. And I go, whoa, what was that for? Oh, my God, I think they like that. So I kept the mic. The next one that came in, I, which was a woman, I, I said, well, it's an Iron Man. You are an Iron Man. And she went, and the crowd looked, I, I got something here. So the other guy took the microphone, and he didn't do it. And I go, why don't you call him an Iron Man? Because they are. He goes, no, no, I don't want to do that. I'm thinking, okay, well, I know one thing. I'm going to do it. So, <laughs> so it was, Give me the microphone back. So then when I got the microphone, the crowd just kept erupting. He got, it just didn't happen. And I'm going, well, you got to, they, they are an Iron Man. And this, this summer, I found that guy. I, I had forgotten his name. I knew he was from San Diego. I, I, went, it was a, I went to four people. The first person, I'll say who the first person was, it was Scott Tinley, because I thought it was a firefighter, and Scott knew a lot of the firefighters or a lifeguard. He gave me a guy's name who I knew and hadn't talked to in 20 years. I talked to him. We started BSing. He goes, no, it wasn't me. I was there just to give Tinley a hard time. I didn't race that year. I go, oh. And then I told him a story, and he goes, no, I'll call this guy. I think he was there. I called him. I knew him. I ran with this guy a lot. So we talked. And he goes, no, Mike, I, didn't, I did the race in 90. I didn't do it in 91. Oh. He goes, you got a, a database of the list of the people that started? I go, yeah. So I sent it to him. Two days later, he goes, I think I got him. Gives me the guy's name. I go, that is familiar. So I call him up. I go, Dan, it's Mike Riley. Hey, I follow you on Facebook, dude. How you doing? <laughs> I go, whoa, I haven't probably seen him in 25 years. Who knows how long? And uh, he goes, yeah, I got grandkids. I'm still running around Mission Bay and like, like we used to. And, and remember the runs we used to do? And I, I, I kind of did and didn't. We did a lot of runs around Mission Bay. So he was part of the group and I was part of that group. And uh, he goes, yeah, but I thought that was only for me. I go, what are you talking about? You know, when you, when you called me an Iron Man because of our conversation, that, that was cool. I love that. And, and I thought it was just for me. All of a sudden, I started hearing you do it for other people. <laughs> what the heck? Oh, that was mine. I go, well, sorry. Everybody liked it. And everybody's an Iron Man. He, that's what he thought. He thought that was just for us. And uh, then he goes, so how, that was when? That was 91. How many times have you done it since then? I go, oh, I don't know, like... 350-some thousand times, and he goes, holy crap, I was the first? That's amazing. You know, so, and he lived here and became friends on Facebook. That's so cool. There he is. That's awesome. I know. I didn't think. I kept talking about the story, and then finally last year somebody said, so who is the guy? And I go, well, I say, you don't know? And I go, yeah. I kind of you know, slapped myself like what do you, I should find him. I hope to goodness I could find him. I mean, who knows if he was still even around, and, and uh, I found him. So is this book, so you're writing a book? Or? Find your finish line. There you go. Is this bringing up, is this allowing you to kind of like pull off of these, like pull more detail from these stories? And, yeah, and those are, those are the, the book is more about the inspirational stories and, and motivational things I've witnessed at the finish line. And knowing the people's story and telling those stories, some are public and people have heard before. I give my take of what I saw, what what happened. Uh, others are stories people don't even know; and they've just been told to me. So, uh, and and it's really I, I give my take on what we should take away with it, what I've taken away with it. Uh, find your finish line can mean a lot of things. I mean, we have we have finish lines every day. We mm-hmm. we got to get to whether it's your goals or objectives. You got to get to, and to be at a finish line at Ironman, we all know. There's a hell of a lot of finish lines you got to get to to even get to the start line of that race. So you, you always have to be finding a finish line, or I believe you're going backwards. You've got yourself turned around going backwards. So uh, that's what the book, it brings a lot of stories into play. And then what, what I'm ta- I take away from it, what I take away from 
uh, you know, a mom who had lost a daughter and uh, how, how Iron Man became a healing and how Iron Man became something that she got to look forward to and, and do in honor of. And so those stories are immense and they're, and they should be, pa- I, I feel like it'd be selfish of me if I didn't pass those stories on and, and let people know this type of stuff is out there. You may be having a tough time because, you know, you're not eating right or you're overweight or you're on the couch or you got an injury and you, you know, and you, it's, it's woe is me. Well, this person was woe is me too, but now this person is this 18 months later or, or year, even five years later. So uh, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. I think it's so potent to, to let people know that they're not alone. It's, it's so important. Like we're not alone. We're all in, we're all in this game of life together. And these finish lines, whether you ever do an Ironman or not, it's what is that next finish line? And you said something earlier about, you know, the, like finishing something that you started and this is how we build our will, you know, and it takes a lot of will to get to that finish line. It takes a lot of will to get to the training done Mm -hmm. to get to that finish line. That's why we always say race day, celebration day, because the training is like, you get to a point where you're in this, I always say like, I'm in a tunnel. I can't see where I be, where it started. I can't see the end yet. You're just in it. And the workouts keep coming and coming and coming and coming. And like that finish line might just be getting out of bed and getting the bike shoes on. Okay. There's finish line. Number one. All right. Finish line. Number two is getting on the bike and start moving the legs and then, you know, getting through that workout and, and maybe it's getting up and you know, having a glass of water instead of having, you know, a Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Maybe that's somebody's finish line. You don't have to... Well, after to... a 100-mile ride, I'll eat that freaking <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Do they have Dunkin' Donuts out here? They actually don't. Oh, good. Uh, but but don't. Uh, mine is an In-N-Out burger, but I could eat three of <laughs> that's those. That's your finish after. line. Yeah, that's... But it's, it's it, like I said, you don't have to do an Ironman to be worthy to to... Be aware that we're not alone in this because whatever your finish line is in a day, it's worthy. And to, to, to start whatever it is that you need to get there and get there and get to the other side of it, it's no different than what we're all doing within a day, within a month, within a year, within our lifetime. Lots of peaks and valleys and highs and lows. And, and we're all, we all have it. And if we haven't been there, we're going to get there. Okay. And if we're there now, we'll get out of it. It's amazing because I've seen people that have been sheltered in in a way where they've become very lonely. They break out of it. They somehow get to a tri club. They have a social network that they, uh, you know, can work with. They do a rate. Next thing you know, I see that person four or five years later. They're a mentor. They're a coach. They have so much confidence. And I go, wow, look at this transformation. Because your actions, uh, my actions, the actions of people beget action. And, and it speaks louder than any word we can throw at somebody. So that's why I love it when I'll have, I'll have 18-year-olds, especially at Lake Placid. It happens a lot. Come up to me. Hi, Mr. Riley. Right away, I go, oh, no. I was nine when my mom did this race. I'm now doing an Ironman. I can't wait. For, I almost break out in tears because I've got this 18-year-old standing in front of me that was influenced by the actions of, of a parent or a brother or whomever it may have been. And now that 18-year-old or 19-year-old is doing an Ironman. And they can't wait for me to call them an Ironman because they know what it meant to somebody else. That's part of the action. And, and it, it, it just, it's passed on so immensely. It, 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 it can't be discounted. Uh, that, that young person that's doing the race, I know is going to be a successful, healthy person. You know, it's not someone who's going to look for another avenue, whether it be drugs or alcohol or whatever it may be. They're, they're, in, a, they're in a good place and a good avenue because they saw the actions of their uh, loved ones. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say, Lily? Uh, <clears throat> back to those stories I, I, and being able to call people's names and it takes a lot of presence. Like you have to be in every, you see a lot of moments in that 17 hours that you're up there. It's moment after moment after moment for you and they're like these little snapshots. So you're how do you be, how are you there in that moment? So if someone comes up to you, the kid comes up to you and they they talk to you and you remember that or, and then you got to call someone's name to, to welcome down the mat. Like it takes a lot of presence. Like you need a lot of focus, right? You're not worried about going to the bathroom because we've already taken care of that, but you're just, you're there in the moment. And how, how has your practice grown to be there and like be one-on-one with that person? I've, I've set myself up 
I, I have, what I do on race day, I have 2,500 one-on-one conversations. I'm speaking to that person finishing. I get to say their most prized possession, their name, their God-given name, something they're going to have they had since birth or the rest of their life. So when that comes out and I see him perk up, you know, the you are an Iron Man could be a conversation of five paragraphs to that person. That's what it means. It could be, I, I get a little down on myself because if 10 or 12 people come flying in all together, you know, I, uh, Jimmy Brown, you're not man. And, you know, I, I sometimes find myself getting it out in too fast of a, of a where it doesn't sound as if somebody's coming by themselves. And I know that's kind of happening, but I, because even if I don't get it out, they, they just want to hear the words, uh, the inflection I give it or the emotion or the passion I give it. I want to be able to give as much as I can. At times when they're ripping on in, it, it's tougher to do that. And, and I'll have people say, I came in with a group of 10 and I heard the nine names and you missed me. Uh, sorry, I, you know. And, and that's why I, so many people after a race will send me a message on my uh, public uh, website. And, and it's because they didn't hear it. Well, I tell every one of them, every one of them, give me your phone number. And I call them all. It's because because the reaction I get is something else, and 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 or or it'll be from from a partner who said, "Hey, my you know my mate, she didn't hear it and she's all upset." And I go, "All right, dude, give me your give me your phone number." So I'll call, and they don't know the area code. So what happens a lot of times? They don't answer. So I'll leave the message. You know, Jill Smith, da da da. You know, you did you did Wisconsin. You are an Iron Man. I hang up. My phone will ring, I swear to God, 15 seconds later. The mic was asking, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, I got it on my recording. Or they'll answer, and some of them think they're getting punked. This isn't Mike. I go, yeah, this is, this is the guy. So, uh, and, and I want to be able to give them that or, you know, send them to them in a note. And, and I've had people, you know, in the hospital and the, the, a loved one, you, can you call him up? He's so down. He had a bad accident or fighting cancer. I go, give me the number right now. And I'll call him. I do it instantly. And I'll hear the voice on the line and how the voice started with me, it ends differently. I go, you're going to get to, you're an Iron Man. You got a big family out there pulling for you. And people crying, you know, but, and I get emotional with it because I know it, us as a fam, Iron Man family are going to help somebody heal just by those four words and, and being able to talk to them. And, and I don't look at it as, as me, as Mike Riley, you know, I, 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 I've got this network behind me. It's you two. It's, it's, it's hundreds of thousands of people that, that if you hear about an athlete that had a bike accident, you're, you, you're thinking about it all day long. It's, it's, it's tough. It's like your brother just went down. Oh, your brother did just go down. And, and so we, we treat that, I treat it with reverence because that's what it is. And it's not something I'll ever take lightly, but yeah, it is amazing that <laughs> when people come in, I, I, it, I am having a one-on-one conversation and I look at them and I point at them. You know, uh, I got this thing about pointing. When I go on stage, people count my, the, the, the Iron Man crew, Riley's coming on stage. Let's see how many times he points at us, <laughs> you know, and they'll take bets. Oh, he did it eight times. I took eight, you know, but what I'm doing is I'm pointing at them. It's about them. It's about you. It's about the finisher. It's about the athlete. It's about the mom supporting the son. It's, it's about them. Uh, and, and I, you know, so I, when, when people come in and I'm close to them and I point at them and they look at me and we point back and there's that connection that is so intense, so strong. My only regret, it's only friggin' like six seconds, you know, boom, the next one comes in. Yeah, but I'm that's a it moment. Again. It's like boom, you gotta and that moment's forever. Yeah. It's yeah, like you've got you when you're present, when you're present, it's like you're embodying the moment. You're not missing the moment. And so you're embodying all these moments, but it's like, okay, you gotta let go of that one because there's a new one coming yeah. coming down the yeah. chute right now. Yeah. And the eye contact is so important. Like I know sometimes in when I'm teaching yoga, like it'll be, you know, a, t- a tough you know, we're at a peak and it's a tough situation and I'll just make eye contact with somebody and I'll just hold their eyes and I just see everything soften in their face, you know, and maybe they start crying. Like, it's just, you never know what's going to happen, but that eye contact, I don't think we, we, 
we look at people in the eye enough and no, because that connect the connection is very like you said like it's just really intense and deep when we connect like that it really is the window to the soul and we miss that a lot because it really requires us to open up our hearts but your heart is so wide open because you've been gifted such an incredible role uh, and I know you have such an attitude of gratitude, which I think is why it's um, just affected so many people in such an amazing way, your involvement in this sport and everybody in the community behind you and what you do. It's such it's a gift. It's weird to hear that. I mean, you know, I'm just this guy from Ohio that moved to California, picked up this triathlon bug in the late 70s and loved it and running and, you know, endurance sports. Uh, and I'm just blessed to be able to be a part of it. You know, we... We're doing a, a video for the 40th anniversary in Kona. And, you know, a lot of us are involved in it with myself and Paula and Heather and, you know, Babbitt and Greg Welch. And, and it, it's amazing. I, I, I look in the room and I see, I go, God, these are all dear friends of mine that we've had, had this friendship for so long because we were kind of there at the beginning. And not that we created it all, but we got to nurture it. And that's what I feel I do. I nurture you know, what I do with, with reverence. And, and I want to make sure that it, uh, no matter who takes over for me afterwards, they, they do the same thing. I heard your son comes with you sometimes. Yeah. He, he announced for a couple years and, uh, he's got his own business now and everything. So it's tough. He didn't, can't travel. He'll come to Hawaii. He does all my music in Hawaii. Does, I mean, it's amazing what he throws together there. And so I know what song's coming up when I'm out there. It's kind of a good little team thing. He came to Santa Rosa last year and helped there because I did some uh, podcast videos, and uh, he's good at that. But it's hard for him to travel. He, he doesn't have the desire. He may one day, because he sounds great on the mic, one day to, to pick it up again. But he's got his business to run, so to, to leave every weekend is kind of tough. Yeah. Are you going to be in Santa Rosa this year? Yes. Oh, good. Matter of fact, that's the end. (laughs) That's the end of a run I've never done before. I've done two Ironmans weekend to weekend. I've never done three in a row. So I've got uh, Texas. I'm home a few hours. (laughs) Then I fly to Australia, got that, and then come home a day and then hit Santa Rosa. Thank goodness it's just a flight to San Francisco driving up. So uh, I'm just hoping the, the voice holds for the for the uh, three day, three weekends. I'm, yeah, I'm just sure. don't talk in between. Yeah, in between. It comes back. Uh, <laughs> Sit on the airplane. Like, and hey, <laughs> people, stagger it out in Santa Rosa. Stagger it out. Don't I make know. them be, you know, yelling too much no, too it'll fast. No, be, it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because it, it's, uh, if it's a Sunday race and I do the awards Monday morning like we do them, uh, I'm beat up Monday afternoon. I fly home. Tuesday, my wife will go, don't talk. And then by Tuesday night, it's, and by Wednesday, it's back. I mean, it's completely back. And it's not that it's, it's just, I just have this deep, different sound, you know. Some people come up to me, keep talking. I love that. Oh, great. I'm freaking hurting. You want me to keep talking? (laughs) And make sure you call my name. Yeah. I love your voice. You keep talking. Oh, okay. (laughs) So in all these years, there's two, two questions that are coming up for me. One, how have you seen the sport change? We were kind of talking about how these ITU athletes now are coming up and they're changing the game at the 70.3 distance. And I think they're going to change the game even more in Ironman. But what have you seen? I mean, you've been up front to the sport for so many decades. I've seen, uh, on the professional athlete side, I've seen these athletes fine-tune themselves on the recovery of some of these incredible weeks they're having on working out to be able to get back in the game. They've got it down to a science. I mean, that's completely different. You know, back in the day when Mark and Dave and those guys, they, they were the, you know, they were the forebearers and they, 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 they were the first. They were just, you know, hey, let's go ride seven days in a row in Colorado and kill ourselves, you know, and that, that's what they did. Uh, so it's amazing how well they raced with that type but now today especially with the speed factor like the itu athletes coming in and they look at a 70.3 like a a sprint almost because that's what they're doing the whole day the jan Ferdinos who you know win olympic gold and turn it on to start doing 70.3 and when he won here at oceanside in 2015 i remember interviewing him at the finish line uh was it 16 could have been 16. I interviewed him. No, 15. I interviewed finish line. And I said, so what? You, you won Oceanside. It's great. What's your goal? What do you mean, what's my goal? To win Kona. 
I mean, it was it was almost like I asked a stupid question because it was so common to him, you know, so ingrained in him to win Kona. And, Whoa, that guy, he's going to be out there. You know, you just tell. So all that's changed. Obviously, the technology, the bikes, the, the expense of the sport. You know, the bikes are a little more than fifteen hundred when I bought my first one. You know, and uh, but one thing has never changed. That cannon goes off. It's swim, bike, run. People still get in the water. They got to do what they do. They get on the bike. They get on the run, and they come through that finish line. To me, I said it in a video the other day. That that's Iron Man has has been so simple and so pure all these years that when that gun goes off, it's the same. It's the same. People are going through the same. Oh my gosh, can I do this? The families are waiting for them. And that's what I love about an event, the build-up, and especially in Kona, we're doing all these ceremonies, and they're fantastic. They get together. But when that gun, that cannon goes off in Kona, I, I let out a collective sigh. Here we go. This is the day I know what to do. Nobody needs to say anything to me. I, here, I, here we go. Let's go. I got 2,500 and me. We're going to get through this day. We're going to get through. And I, tell, I love telling people now in the water, I go, hey, you know, there's there's a zero percent chance of rain today. And then you get a huge, you know, <laughs> but there's a hundred percent chance, and they look at you of you finishing, and then they let out. And it's true, it's a hundred percent chance that you're all going to finish. That's how I look at it. Mm-hmm. Let's everybody finish. You when know? it's just cra- it's it's we've been at many starting lines, and it's like just slicing through that that tension because. There's people out there like BJ who's totally calm. There's people out there that are just like, oh my God, this is so great. I can't wait. There's people out there like, I'm going to win this freaking thing. And there's people out there that are freaking out. And so to just kind of slice right through that with some kind of joke, it doesn't even, people don't even care if it's a good joke or a bad joke, just something to slice it and have everyone come together. It's, it's, yeah, that's. You know, I, I don't know which, it was a lake. I don't know if it was placid, but they're all in the water. And I could tell that, this is, I can tell if, if the event has a lot of tension. If it rained prior, you know, you, so you want to relax everybody. And I said something like, uh, all right, by the way, there's a new rule here in Mirror Lake. There's no peen in the lake. <laughs> and they're like, and all of a sudden they broke out. I'm telling you. Okay, for the next 10 minutes, don't pee. All right. They just kind of laugh. And I'm laughing too because I was a little tense because everybody's tense. So you just want to, lots for me to, you know, change your attitude here. Get, get them going. And uh, just stuff like that. Uh, yeah, it's like a celebration it's just, day. Everybody it's gets, just, it's the community comes yeah. back. Like everybody can, it yeah. just brings it back yeah. in. Like yeah. It's, just, it's yeah. just about getting to that finish line. I know. Yeah. yeah. And, pl- and Placid, man, you never know what's going to happen you in Placid. Those fires. That one year, we had that burning, you know, building. Yes. With burning building, with yeah. That firefighter, and then athlete this. going up there putting it out. Yes. That's right. In his yes. shorts, and we were there for that. Yeah, the storm. We were right across the There's street from where oh. we were right across the street the from where the fire yeah. was, and uh, and we were thinking, oh God, wow, that's crazy. And then I was like, we're really lucky that we're still in the hotel. And I'm like, it smells like smoke. And next thing you know, we were yeah. evacuated. So we're in, you know, BJ's racing. So I was 20. 13? No, later than that. Yeah, 15. Yeah, and we were like, okay, what do we need? Let's grab pillows. You know, we had a puppy with us. We had a Honda Fit. We were like, okay, well, they say the seats go all the way down in the back. We might be sleeping in the parking lot of the Northwoods Inn. So we just got there. Oh, you were right across the street at Northwoods. We were right across the street I was next door at the... uh, not the Mirror Lake, next door. Oh, the Golden Arrow. The Golden Arrow. Oh, yeah. And my room was downstairs on the water on that end. So I came out and I go... Okay, this is going to be a long night. So going up on the street, then we're with all the race directors and the fire hoses. And I go, well, at least the race doesn't come down here, you know. But But there's ash pouring into Mirror Lake. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that was crazy. And then in 2014, I did it. And um, that was when they pulled people from the water. Oh, for the the, the, uh, lightning. Yeah, and I was on the descent, freezing, freezing cold, like just torrential down but like glass is the greatest place <laughs> well i just you I mean talk about like just i just surrendered i was like well if i'm gonna because i had no brakes you know i was just so it was it was so slick it was so fast it, i couldn't see anything and i was like well i'm i might die like, again right like iron man's great you should definitely sign up for one two times now i'm like i might die but i was just it was like this surrender i'm like well if that happens if it all goes just totally in a disarray I'm doing what I love right now. And that's what matters. And I just kind of relaxed into it and then hung out in a trash bag at a, 
at an aid station for half an hour. And then I was like, hey, I'm great. And it ended up like that. Clearing. I yeah. remember Clearing. the I clouds just split in the blue yep. sky. And I ran my fastest marathon that day. See? Fastest marathon I've ever run I ran that day. And you just never know what's going to happen. That's the beauty of that sport. You guys are making me want that's to why, That's why I tell people, I, you know, you got control over one thing and one thing only today. It's your attitude. You know, you, you can't control the weather. You can't control anything. Just control you and your attitude. Keep it positive and watch what happens. It'll come back and take care of you. And, and people after, oh, yeah, I, my, I was freaking out. Well, you're freaking out over, you're not freaking out over, you're freaking out over the external stuff. The internal is what you have to take care of. And once you do, you're fine. Even though your day may be an hour slower than you had planned on, whatever. Just get to the finish line. And all those things just create even more, like when we have those external factors, because I remember being on the bike that day and people were like, we were on the bike, like on that backside by uh, white oh, face right, and right, like, right. hey, did you get pulled from the water? No, I got, I, I was, but I was on the descent, you know, like, and, and you know, and now there's more connection, more connection is happening out there. And there's so many stories that are happening throughout the whole day, but they're all just, just trying to get to that I carpet know. for you to say their name. What have you taken away from the, the, witness of the human spirit and what it can what it can do you know years back when i walked to the back side of the parking lot in kona where we do the the ceremony uh it was probably nine years ago they had put two big banners on the side of the stage and they said anything is possible and it's a cliche that you hear a lot in sports or with people using it and I looked at it and I was a little like, well, you know, um, yeah, 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 maybe anything's possible. But then it hit me. I go, God, what I've witnessed, that is so true. I think I, there, there's, if people tell me something about themselves and it's in a negative vein, I can't run because I got a bad knee or, the, you know, I, I just don't, you're talking to the wrong guy because I'm going to come back at you. you. go, No, you're wrong. Anything is possible. You can do something. And so that's what it's proved to me. It's proved to me that, that no matter what the odds are, no matter if you've lost somebody in your life, if you've had somebody leave you, if you wanted to commit suicide, if you wanted to uh, just be a loner and be away, you know, they, they come around. They, they, they have to be taught anything is possible. And, and it is. And it's, it's, sure, it's the motto of Iron Man and a lot of other people. I just saw through uh, the Olympics, Toyota was using it in their car commercials, you know. How dare they? That's ours. But anyway, <laughs> but it's, it, it's, it, it's true. And uh, if people don't believe me when I tell them, I'll give them shining examples. One after another, I could talk a week about what I've seen and, and what people have overcome and the odds they've overcome to do it. And, and to get to the finish line. And there's some people that just get to the start line. I know somebody, could, you know, but every Ironman they start, they finish maybe one out of four or five. But they finish that one and they keep coming back. It's just amazing to me. I mean, after that person did one, I go, well, that'd be, no. Came back to the start line, didn't finish, didn't, then finished and, would, you know, write me a note. I hope I finish. I go, no, oh, you will. And, you know, maybe didn't, did. What's that tell you? Anything's, that person knows anything is possible. After so many times getting, you know, hit in the head with a two by four with the race course or whatever it is, and then coming back and doing it again and then finishing one. So that's what it's taught me. It's taught me never to discount what anybody says they're going to do. And it also taught me, it also taught me to uh, uh, make sure that I, I don't take anything for granted. <laughs> never take anything for granted because it's usually true <laughs> yeah I was just saying that this morning mm -hmm. I can't remember attitude what I was saying attitude of gratitude yeah but just being like so grateful to just be able to get out of bed and I've got all these joints and arms yeah. and legs that work and well, thank you so much, Mike. Thanks You're for coming so over much. here. Thank you, Mike. My pleasure. Being our hundredth episode. Wow, I'm feature. honored. Yeah, yeah. So I, it'll be I, coming out in a couple weeks. I remember my hundredth Ironman. It was New Zealand, and I didn't know. I, I was introduced to go on stage, and all of a sudden, this banner came flying down behind me, and I go, 
I wasn't in the rehearsal because uh, they do a big ceremony there. And I look and it's Mike Riley, number 100. Uh. Like, oh, my gosh. The place went. I go, yeah, that's, it is my 100th. That's Maybe crazy. we can get that banner and hang it outside of our building. Aloha. Thank you. Hope you guys enjoyed the show today. Mike is as genuine as you think. We got to see him again last weekend at Oceanside 70.3, and we're looking forward to hearing him help BJ Cruz to his finish at Ironman Santa Rosa next month. So here's my question. Did this podcast make you want to sign up for an Ironman? I say go for it. As the girl who said she would never, ever do a triathlon ever, I finished four of these puppies. And when I do go back to triathlon, you better believe it will be an Ironman. We'll be heading up to Mendocino next weekend, and I think we're going to be doing a mindfulness chat up there the day before. We're still confirming this, so if you're going to be up there, definitely make contact with us. Also, we'll be up in Santa Rosa for Ironman next month, and we're planning on either a pre-race talk or yoga. So do you guys have a preference? We did a mindfulness talk before Oceanside last weekend, and our attendees felt like it was really helpful for their race prep and race day. So let us know what you think. We're open to anything. It's about getting that mental game on point, because remember, you guys, It's 90% of what you're going to need come race day. All right, that's it. Until next week, stay out of the world of the known. This is where all our limits hang out. Have daily visits and experiences in the unknown and walk right up to what scares you with a calmness that exudes power because I know, you know, and Mike Riley sure as heck knows that anything is possible.